Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Daily Gospel Exegesis podcast. We're all about giving you the tools to better understand the gospel reading from today's Mass. And so today is the very first reading in the liturgical year A. So if you're new to the podcast and you're starting at the beginning of the liturgical year, welcome. Hopefully you learn something new from this podcast and it gives you a new appreciation for the Bible. And in fact, the reading we have today, the lectionary number for this reading is lectionary number one, and it goes up to something like 700. But today is the first one, lectionary reading number one. So, and that's because it's read on the first Sunday of Advent in year A. Now, today's reading, lectionary number one reading, it's actually a very difficult one. So, there are many different theories about what Jesus is talking about in this passage. And as we'll see, it's not easy to interpret. Uh, Some scholars think that Jesus is talking about two different things at the same time. Some people think that Jesus starts to talk about one thing and then starts to talk about something else. And even within individual phrases, it looks like it's, it's not always clear what Jesus is talking about. And there are many different interpretations, even amongst Catholic scholars. So there is no one official Catholic interpretation of the text we have today. Really, as a Catholic who's studying the Bible, you need to come to your own conclusions on what you think it's saying obviously under the guidance of the church. So as always, we'll read through uh, the text for today's reading. We'll have a go at doing an exegesis of it based on uh, good Catholic scholarship. And then we'll finish by looking at some paragraphs from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which are linked to today's passage. So Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 to 44. Jesus said to his disciples, As it was in Noah's day, so will it be when the Son of Man comes. For in those days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, taking wives, taking husbands, right up to the day Noah went into the ark, and they suspected nothing till the flood came and swept all away. It will be like this when the Son of Man comes. Then of two men in the fields, one is taken, one left. Of two women at the millstone grinding, one is taken, one left. So stay awake, because you do not know the day when your master is coming. You may be quite sure of this, that if the householder had known at what time the, what time of the night the burglar would come, he would have stayed awake and would not have allowed anyone to break through the wall of his house. Therefore, you too must stand ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So we're right in the middle of the Olivet Discourse, a really complex discourse from Jesus that scholars have a lot of different opinions about. And if you want to hear the parts of the discourse leading up to where we are today, you can get access to those as bonus episodes of the podcast. And there's a link to that in the show notes if you're interested in that. And it really is quite a difficult text. As I have studied this text and I've spent a lot of time reading different scholars' opinions on this text, my view about it my view on the best way to interpret it has certainly changed. So I'll offer my thoughts on what I think is the best interpretation of various passages and why I think that, but by no means is it definitely the correct interpretation. And remember, as a Catholic, this is one of those passages where there is room for a diversity of opinions. So you do your own research and you come to your own conclusions. So we're in the Olivet Discourse. This is a private briefing between Jesus and his disciples in the final week of Jesus' life. So if you follow the discourse up till this point, Jesus has been describing the destruction of the temple in AD 70, and he calls this a coming of the Son of Man. So he describes the destruction of the temple as though it's 
a future coming of his. And the scholars call this the middle coming of Jesus in the destruction of the temple. And in verse 36, just prior to this, the disciples naturally want to know when all of this is going to happen. Jesus has told them all these signs that will lead up to the destruction of the temple, but he hasn't told them exactly when it will take place. So naturally they ask him, or they want to know, when is this going to happen? And Jesus' answer is, no one knows the day or the hour. That's what Jesus says in the verse just prior to this. No one knows when this middle coming is going to happen. So this helps set the context for what Jesus is about to say now. He's going to basically focus on the necessity of the Christian disciple to be prepared. So we want to start this exegesis by focusing on one word in particular, which is what comes over in the English as the word coming. So in Greek, the word here is parousia, and that literally means presence, but it can also mean something like appearing or visitation. It's used a lot in the Gospel of Matthew and in the rest of the New Testament, and it did actually have an established usage. Parousia was not an explicitly or distinctively Christian word. Prior to Christ, the word parousia basically meant visitation of a king or a high official to a city that he has previously conquered. So that's what the word parousia means. And then Jesus and the Christians apply that to the coming of Jesus. So the visitation of Jesus upon his own territory that he's previously conquered. So it's used in a couple of different ways in relation to Jesus. So obviously it always refers to Jesus coming in some way to bring judgment on his enemies and to vindicate those who are righteous. But it's used sort of to refer to two different events. It can be used to refer to the middle coming which was the destruction of the temple in AD 70. That was certainly a coming of the Son of Man, and most of the Olivet Discourse focuses on that. But that word parousia can also mean uh, the end of time, our future, the second coming, which hasn't happened yet. So you want to be careful. It's not... When you see the Greek word parousia and you see people discuss the word parousia, most people associate it with the second coming. But more often than not in the Gospels, it's thinking primarily of the middle coming, which occurred in AD 70, and so that is in our past. But it was in the future of the apostles at at the the time that Jesus gave this discourse. So, the, the Olivet Discourse, the actual words that Jesus said have apparently finished in verse 36. If you do a careful study comparing Matthew, Mark, and Luke's versions of the Olivet Discourse, the actual Olivet Discourse, as in the actual words that Jesus says on this occasion, have finished by the end of verse 36. So Jesus finishes basically by saying, you do not know the day or the hour. So what we have now in in Matthew's gospel, continuing after verse 36, it seems like Jesus said it on a different occasion, but Matthew has put it in his Olivet Discourse because it's all about the same topic. Matthew often does this. He groups things topically. Now, if you go to Luke's gospel, what we're about to see today in our exegesis of Matthew's gospel, it actually appears in an earlier point in Jesus' ministry in Luke's gospel. So if you go to Luke chapter 17, you'll see a lot of what we're looking at in the first half of today's gospel is actually from Luke 17, which is before the last week of Jesus' life. And if you look carefully at Luke chapter 17 there, it's clearly about the destruction of the temple. So I think we should interpret at least these first few verses as about the middle coming still. Jesus is still talking about the destruction of the temple. That's how it is clearly presented in Luke 17, and I think that's how we should interpret that here. Not all scholars agree with this. Some scholars think that by this point in the discourse, it has transitioned into talking about the second coming. My view is that we're still looking at the middle coming here. 
Now, Luke chapter 21, which is Luke's version of the Olivet Discourse, Luke gives us Jesus' final line that he says on the Mount of Olives, which is this. This is the the way that Jesus finishes this Olivet Discourse. Luke chapter 21 says, Watch yourselves, or your hearts will be coarsened with debauchery and drunkenness and the cares of life, and that day will be sprung on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come down on every living man on the face of the earth. Stay awake, praying at all times for the strength to survive all that is going to happen and to stand with confidence before the Son of Man. And that's it. That is the end of the Olivet Discourse. Now, Matthew, what Matthew does is he builds on the end of the Olivet Discourse by adding in material, similar material, from other points in Jesus' ministry. So what he's doing, it looks like, what Matthew's doing from this point on in the discourse is fleshing out the final words that Jesus actually did say on that occasion. So he's going to use some parables and some other things to show us what Jesus meant by these words about watch yourselves, be careful not to uh, become involved in debauchery and the cares of this life. Make sure you're watching to ensure that you can endure all that's about to happen in the middle coming and to ensure that you can stand before the Son of Man with confidence. Right, so Matthew is going to now... uh, bring that out a bit more by bringing in some things from earlier in Jesus' ministry. So I know we've uh, kind of gone on this point for a while, but it's important that you understand what Matthew is doing at this point. So verse 37, Jesus says, as it was in Noah's day, and the point he's going to make here is that people were going about their normal lives in Noah's day. They were ignoring the warnings that Noah was giving about the flood, and then the flood came and destroyed them all. That's the point Jesus is making. As it was in Noah's day, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Or another translation here is, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Remember, we said that Greek word, uh, that English word coming is the Greek word parousia. So Jesus here is talking about one of the parousias. And in context, it's probably the middle coming. So Jesus is continuing to describe the middle coming, the days when the Son of Man comes, which he's been describing up till this point in the discourse. And basically, that middle coming is the time when the Messiah, Jesus, is vindicated. He judges his enemies. In AD 70, it's clearly a destruction. The destruction of the temple is theologically uh, God uh, judging the Jewish leaders for rejecting the Messiah. It signals the end of the Old Covenant and the beginning of the New Covenant in quite a profound way. And when that happens, the destruction of the temple in AD 70 will be quite sudden, unexpected, and people will be wiped out. That's exactly what happens. People in Jerusalem were not expecting the temple and Jerusalem to be overrun with Romans. It came, it caught them completely off guard. They thought they were safe, but it all happened very quickly, and many people were killed. So if you want more on this idea that the destruction of the temple uh, and the, the way the Romans overtook Jerusalem was actually a punishment from God or or that it signaled the end of the Old Covenant and the beginning of the New, and was in some way willed by God. If you're interested in that context that we're talking about here, certainly have a look at the earlier parts of the Olivet Discourse uh, that we've recorded, and you can get access to those bonus episodes through the Patreon page, and there's a link for that in the show notes if you're interested. It does help set the context. Verse 38, Jesus says to to his inner circle of disciples here, For in those days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, taking wives, taking husbands, right up to the day Noah went into the ark. So the point Jesus is making is that during the time of Noah, people were going about their daily lives thinking everything was fine and they were ignoring the warnings that God was giving them through his messengers. 
Jesus continues, and they suspected nothing till the flood came and swept all away. So people were going about their daily lives, they thought they would be fine, and then one day the flood did come and they were all destroyed, all the wicked were destroyed. In contrast, Noah in the flood readied himself for what was coming by making diligent preparations in obedience to God. Jesus is setting up a parallel for his disciples here between the days of Noah and the coming uh, war leading up to the destruction of the temple. He says to his disciples, you need to be ready making preparations. Even if everyone else is ignoring the warnings, you need to be ready because those days of judgment, the destruction of the temple will come upon the world very suddenly. Verse 39, it will be like this when the Son of Man comes. So Jesus says it there explicitly. The destruction of the temple will be similar to uh, the days of Noah. People in Jerusalem will be thinking everything is fine in AD 70 and that God will protect them. And that was certainly the natural Jewish way of thinking. They believed if I stay in Jerusalem, it's God's city. He won't destroy Jerusalem. There were warnings. If you study history, there were plenty of warnings in the lead up to the destruction of the temple from uh, prophets that God sent. But then the Roman armies came suddenly and attacked the city and a whole lot of people were killed. So it was sudden and unexpected, this judgment by God. Now in Luke's version of this same section, so in Luke chapter 17, Jesus goes on to give the example of Lot in relation to Sodom and Gomorrah. So he makes the example, he gives the example of Noah, and then he gives the example of Lot, righteous Lot, uh, making preparations and leaving the city before Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. But Matthew leaves that out now because he wants to give us a condensed version. He can't include everything. So in what sense can we say the Roman army destroying Jerusalem is the coming of the Son of Man? So remember, let's say it again. The Roman army is God's uh, instrument he uses to judge the unfaithful Jewish leadership. It's when Jesus the Messiah vindicates his own people, the Christians, and judges the Jewish leadership for their wickedness. It's very clear if you study the Gospels, that is Jesus' view of what happens in AD 70. God often does this with armies in the Old Testament. There's plenty of times when he uses foreign armies as, as an instrument of his judgment, sometimes on his own people, the Israelites. Well, he's, he does it again in AD 70. And the theology of how this relates to the Messiah is when Jesus ascends to heaven, he's enthroned in heaven. The Son of Man is presented to God, and that's depicted in the prophet Daniel as the Son of Man coming to God on the clouds of heaven. That happens sometime after the ascension. So when that happens in heaven, that's played out on earth with the victory of the Messiah over his enemies, which in this case is the Jewish Old Covenant leadership. So the destruction of the temple signals the end of the Old Covenant and the beginning of the New Covenant. Now, in Luke chapter 17, where this is from, again, Jesus goes on to say some other things here. Jesus goes on to give advice to the Christians on what they should do when they see the armies of the Romans coming. Now, Jesus has already given this advice earlier in Matthew's version of the Olivet Discourse. So, if you followed the Matthew's version of the discourse up till now, those things have already been said. So, Matthew moves on now to the next thing Jesus says. Jesus now is going to give some scenarios where... In each scenario, two people will be going about their daily business. One will be taken, the other one will be left. You've probably heard uh, these phrases given different interpretations. And the idea here where Jesus gives these scenarios of one person being taken, the other one is left, it seems to just be a way of highlighting the suddenness of the judgment. As in, people will just be going about their daily business 
and all of a sudden it will happen. It will be completely unexpected. Some Christians have seen this, uh, these next little comparisons as some sort of reference to the rapture, as in the righteous will be taken up by God, and then the others, the wicked, will be left behind. You'll probably hear a lot of Christians use that interpretation. Most scholars would say that's not being faithful to the text. It's actually the other way around. If you think about the context of the flood and also of Sodom, in all those cases, the ones who were taken were those who were being killed or judged by God, and those who were left behind were the righteous. That is the way the Old Testament prophets speak about God's judgments. If you look at Jeremiah chapter 6 or Zechariah chapter 14 and Jeremiah chapter 40, they all talk about God's judgments, the day of the Lord. When that happens, it involves the wicked being taken and the righteous being left. There could also be some Passover references here too. So remember the original Passover, people are either smitten or spared. And that sort of might be some of the Jewish background of the language Jesus uses here. We need to keep in mind that Jesus seems to still be speaking about his own middle coming in 70 AD. So here's a question. In what sense can we say that people were taken in the judgment on Jerusalem in 70 AD? How can we say that people were taken and left? Well, on a practical sense, it seems like what happens when the Romans came into the city is they would literally grab people at random from houses and they would capture them and kill them. That is what the Romans did when they invaded Jerusalem. So people would be out in the field and as the Romans came across, they would just kill some of them and leave some of them. So Jesus here seems to be saying, he's being very practical. He's saying, get out of the city before this stuff happens so that you aren't killed. Now, if this seems like a bit of a strange view that Jesus here is talking about the way that Romans would randomly kill people, this is basically the view taken by the famous New Testament scholar N.T. Wright. Uh, If you've heard of N.T. Wright, you'll know that he's very good at um, handling the text and understanding what Jesus meant in his Jewish context. And this seems to be basically his view as well. It's a, a way that Jesus is using to describe the tactics of the Roman armies. Now, there are other interpretations, though, which which are worth talking about. In each of these scenarios, so in the flood scenario, in the lot scenario, the wicked are taken and the righteous are left behind. So that is a bit different from this interpretation that says Jesus is just talking about random killing. Maybe in order to fulfill the pattern, what Jesus is actually talking about here is when the judgment of Jerusalem happens, uh, the wicked in particular will be killed and the righteous in particular will be left. Uh, Maybe that's what's going to happen. Uh, when the Romans come. It's also possible that as we look at these scenarios, I know that we often visualize it as uh, two will be working in the field. When we hear that, we think that the two people are working in the field side by side in the same field. It doesn't. We don't have to interpret it that way. Jesus could just be saying there's one man in a field somewhere and there's one man in a field somewhere else, right? We shouldn't imagine that they're necessarily side by side. So it's just a way of comparing the fates of two people carrying out very similar ordinary tasks. That might be what Jesus is doing here. So let's go to verse 40. Jesus says, Then of two men in the fields, one is taken, one is left. So again, I think the most likely interpretation here is Jesus is saying that in the fields around Jerusalem, people will be working, and all of a sudden, Romans will come and kill some of them and leave others. This would fit well with other things Jesus says in the, in the discourse. Earlier in the discourse, he says, if you are in the field and you see the armies coming, you need to flee. 
Verse 41, he now talks about women. Of two women at the millstone grinding, one is taken, one is left. So same basic analogy, but he's talking about women now. So women won't be spared this either. Both women will be working on grinding corn. That's what women would do in that culture. Certainly one of the things they would do is grind corn. Jesus says that on that day, all of a sudden, one of them will be taken, which probably means the Romans will burst into the room, take one of them at random and kill them probably. And then Luke's version of this adds in one more comparison, which is two will be in one bed, one will be taken, the other one left. And certainly in that image there, the two people are in the exact same situation. So here I think we do get to a point of transition in the text. My view is up until this point, Jesus has been uh, speaking about the destruction of the temple in AD 70, his middle coming. I think now he probably starts talking about something different, which is the particular judgment, the things that Christians in particular will be judged on when they see God face to face. So how does this transition work? Well, let's say a bit about this. Many Jews who had come to believe Jesus was the Messiah probably expected that he's going to bring in the kingdom and the final judgment very soon. That was the Jewish view, is that when the Messiah comes, the kingdom of God will come in its fullness straight away. That helps set the context for what Jesus is about to say. So one of the points he's going to make here in this next section is there's no way of knowing exactly when the kingdom of God will be set up in its fullness. There's no way of knowing when the Messiah, the master, is going to return to do the final judgment. So they thought it was all going to happen straight away. They probably thought it was going to happen very soon, actually. But Jesus says that final judgment and the day that you see God face to face might happen soon, but it might not. And the point he's going to make is the focus for Christians should be on being prepared all the time, even if the master's return takes a long time. Now, what Jesus says next here in this next section actually took place in Luke chapter 12. But actually, Jesus said these words apparently quite a bit early in his ministry in Luke chapter 12. Now that's not to rule out that he said it on more than one occasion, but given that it's uh, almost verbatim here from Luke chapter 12, it's likely that Matthew here has taken something Jesus said earlier and placed it at the end of his discourse. So I think here's where the topic division happens in the Olivet Discourse. Jesus is, is now going to focus on the particular judgment, what Christians will be judged on when they see God face to face. Part of the coming of the Son of Man, which is what Jesus has been talking about, the final coming of the Son of Man is that he'll judge his people when he comes and rewards them on their performance. That is going to happen at the final parousia. So when the king returns to his kingdom, the king will judge his servants. And the Jews understood that is part of the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus' disciples probably are thinking that this judgment, this final eschatological judgment when they're given their rewards will probably happen at the same time as the destruction of the temple, the middle coming that Jesus has been describing. That's probably what the apostles think. It looks like Jesus is willing to sort of go along with this assumption, even if he knows that that's not true. He's going to use that understanding of the apostles in the following parables, and he's going to do that to remind them that they will indeed be judged for the way they conduct themselves during this middle coming period. So he's sort of going to transform things a bit by saying, you are going to go through this period of the middle coming of the destruction of the temple. And ultimately you're going to be judged on the way you behave during that time period. So the idea seems to be, this is the way that I would read the text here, 
Jesus is saying to his inner circle of apostles that if they can get through the persecutions around the time of 70 AD and the years leading up to it and not fall away from the faith, and indeed many Christians did fall away from the faith, but if his apostles can get through it, then they'll be able to face the particular judgment with confidence. So the emphasis from this point on in the Olivet Discourse is going to be the necessity for the individual Christian to be prepared. Up until now, it's been about the world as a whole, or certainly Jerusalem as a whole. Now the focus is going to be on the individual Christian. And you'll notice that from now on, Jesus refers to the Messiah mostly as your Lord or your master. So he actually uses that pronoun, your, your Lord. He's speaking very personally to the Christians now. You need to be on the lookout for the return of your master. So again, the main focus from this point on is what Jesus' apostles and the other first generation Christians will be judged on at their own particular judgment. And basically, they're going to be judged on the way they conducted themselves during the trials that they'll experience in the first century. Hopefully that makes sense, and that gives you a bit of background as we transition into this next part now. Verse 42, Jesus says, "'Stay awake,' or you can translate that, "'Watch therefore.'" And Mark's version actually adds in here, Jesus says, watch and pray. So Jesus is sort of setting up this image here. He's telling his Christians that they need to keep watch during the night to look for signs. They must not fall asleep at their duties. Stay awake because you do not know when your master is coming. So this is sort of Jesus' take-home message from uh, this part of the sermon. And the idea here is that he's telling the Christians, you need to be ready for the Son of Man's coming like a king returning to his kingdom, because it could happen at any time. You do not know when your master is coming, so you need to be prepared all the time. These next two parables we're going to see here, as we said earlier, they actually come from earlier in Jesus' ministry. They come from Luke chapter 12. But what happens if you compare the Gospels, it looks like Mark... Um, moves them to the end of the Olivet Discourse. Mark knew that Jesus actually said them early in his ministry, but Mark sees that it's going to be a good way to wrap up the Olivet Discourse and sort of as a take-home message for his Christian readers, Mark uh, puts it at the end of the Olivet Discourse. And then Matthew, who apparently had access to Mark, Matthew follows Mark's pattern in this. Matthew uh, retains the material that Mark put at the end of the Olivet Discourse and Matthew also adds in some other things. So the first parable he's going to give here is the parable of the householder. That emphasizes the individual Christian's responsibility to be prepared. And this parable appears in Luke chapter 12 in a sermon to, uh, from Jesus to his disciples, amongst other parables, and all those parables emphasize the necessity of being prepared. So it certainly fits well with the point that Matthew wants his readers to understand too. Verse 43, Jesus says to his disciples, you may be quite sure of this, which is interesting. That's a good contrast to what he's just said, which is you do not know when the, the day the, the day the Lord is coming. You don't know that. But now in verse 43, he says, you may be quite sure of this, that if the householder had known at what time of night the burglar would come, he would have stayed awake and would not have allowed anyone to break through the wall of his house. Now, in that culture, burglars would quietly break a hole in the wall. They would dig a hole in the wall in order to break in. And Jesus says, if you're the householder and you know what time the burglar is coming, well, then obviously you're going to stay awake to make sure that you're not caught off guard. Verse 44, therefore, you too must stand ready because the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So it's an analogy. Jesus is saying that if you knew when in the night a burglar was coming, you would be ready. 
And he says to his Christian disciples, in the same way, you as Christians can't slack off because the reality is the Son of Man could come at any time and he's going to judge you when he comes. You're going to be judged based on your faithfulness uh, when he does come. So the point he's making to his uh, apostles here is you need to be ready all of the time. You can't slack off. You can't fall asleep. You need to continue living the Christian life. You do not know the day when you're going to appear before God or when the Messiah returns is another way of sort of phrasing this in the Jewish understanding. And you don't know when that could happen. So you need to be prepared. Now, some people find it disturbing that in this parable, Jesus would compare himself to a burglar. And it does seem a bit strange, but keep in mind, Paul does it as well. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, he also says, the day of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. So we need to be careful when dealing with analogies. Jesus is not saying that he is like a burglar in every respect. He's just making the point that he's going to come at a time when he's not expected. This just the same as a burglar is. That's the point he's making. Now, the servant knows who his master is, and he knows that the master is going to return. He might even know roughly when the master is going to return in some cases. But the reality is masters in those days would not know exactly when their master is going to return. There's no telephones or internet in those days, so there was no way for the master to send advance warning that he's coming. So the master, if you wanted to be a... Uh, the, the disciple, if you wanted to be a faithful disciple needs to be ready all the time. And Jesus goes on to make a very similar point in some of the other parables in Luke chapter 12. So it's the same with Christians, Jesus' disciples, and all Christians by extension. We know that there will be a day that we're going to be judged based on the way we were faithful to Jesus and the new covenant. We know that Jesus will return for some of us. That will be uh, our own death and the particular judgment. Uh, For some of us, uh, it may well be that Jesus returns while we're still alive at the general judgment. But we don't know in either case, we don't know exactly when that will happen, but we do know that we will be judged. And some disciples, the teaching of the Gospels is pretty clear that some disciples will be caught completely off guard when Jesus returns and they won't be prepared to be judged. So what does God want and what does Jesus the Messiah want from his Christian disciples? He doesn't want calculation. He doesn't want them to work out exactly when he's going to return. Rather, what he wants is vigilance and preparedness. Now, in Luke chapter 12, which this parable is apparently taken from, if you look at it, Peter then speaks up. Peter asks Jesus an important question. Peter says this to Jesus, Do you mean this parable for us or for everyone? Which is a very interesting question. And Jesus, in response to that, gives another parable to make it clear whether it's for us or for everyone. And that parable is called the faithful or the unfaithful slave. And you can hear that one, which uh, Matthew also includes as the very next parable. So Matthew does continue Jesus' line of thinking here from Luke chapter 12. And you can hear that, though, uh, you won't hear that in the podcast in the next few days or even next Sunday. You can hear it on Thursday of week 21 in ordinary time. So if you want to continue through Matthew's gospel chronologically after what you've heard today, have a look through the podcast archives for Thursday of week 21 in ordinary time. So let's just finish today's episode. It has been a longer one and we've gone through it slowly and carefully because it's the Olivet Discourse is really quite a complex text and hopefully you've learned something new and you've appreciated this approach. We'll just finish with one catechism reference, paragraph 673. This is in the section about the glorious advent of Christ. So it's talking about his future second coming. Since the ascension, Christ's coming in glory has been imminent 
even though it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority. This eschatological coming could be accomplished at any moment, even if both it and the final trial that will precede it are delayed. So there the Catechism reminds us, and it uses this passage, among others, to say that we don't know the exact time or hour when the Messiah will return and will be judged. It can be accomplished at any moment. Uh, Rather, the role of the Christian is to be prepared, and that's the point the Catechism is making here as well. I'll include that paragraph in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in today. If you're enjoying this approach to Scripture, please keep tuning in and telling other people about it. Uh, We'll see you for tomorrow's episode.